0: So uh, we are in the season right now, the season of epiphany. And epiphany is kind of an older word uh, for realization. A season of realizing once again who Jesus is. You know, we've been in a season of Christmas where people have been talking some about Jesus, even people who who don't really know much about him or or don't think much about him the rest of the year. Then they've moved on. They're getting ready for Valentine's Day or (laughs) other holidays. But as a church... As the people of God, we continue to come back and focus on Jesus, on who he is. Rick, do you have the the slides for this morning? The uh, focusing back on who Jesus is. And some of you might be thinking to yourself, boy, how many times do we need to hear this? I mean, I've heard a lot of who Jesus is. And if you're anything like me, we need to hear it again and again. Because if you're anything like me, when you stop thinking about who Jesus is, you start to take him for granted. I start to think about how I can do things on my own. I start forgetting who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And I start thinking to myself, and I can start thinking, you know, maybe I've heard this all before about who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, the Lamb of God. And I start to realize, when we start having that attitude of, I've heard this before, We become like rocky soil, and it's hard for God to work in that. Rocky soil, we stop producing fruit, and weeds start to come up. Weeds start to come up, things like self-reliance. At least that's my weed that often comes up is self-reliance. Thinking I can kind of do it on my own. Or I I stop thinking about Jesus, and I start thinking how can I figure this out? How can I take care of this? How can I make this work? So not only does, for me, self-reliance, but other idols, too. When we stop producing fruit, the, the weeds start to come up in idols like comfort and security. How can I make life more comfortable? How can I make life more secure? Those idols begin to creep in. And so it's important for us to circle back, to come and focus again on Jesus, to spend time thinking about who he is, hearing again the word of God. You see, the thing is, whether we like it or not, we're going to hear all sorts of things about Jesus, all sorts of opinions. And whether it's the new atheist and their view that that Jesus is just a fictional character that people made up to control the masses, or even more common in our community around us that Jesus is just a great teacher. He's just a really cool guy who taught some really good things about how to be nice to each other. We need to keep coming back. To who Jesus is. We need to keep coming back to the Word of God, the Scriptures, to remind us that Jesus is. He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, that He is the Lord. So we remain fertile soil, good soil that will grow fruit, not rocky soil. See, it's interesting because there are lots of different images of Jesus. There's the red headed, European version, painted by the Renaissance. There's the Swedish Jesus, looks kind of like Kevin Sorbo, like an actor. <laughs> there's, there's Greek Orthodox Jesus, King Jesus, and there's also a contemporary buddy Jesus. Our culture has all sorts of different ideas of who Jesus is, and they put these pictures forward. But we want to get back to Jesus. This is actually, this painting is by Akiana uh, Kramarik. The amazing thing is, is that she, well, a few amazing things, she painted this painting when she was eight years old. And it was, she painted it from visions that she had as a young girl, I think, when she was four and five. Now we might think, oh, she probably you know saw pictures of Jesus when she went to church. Well, actually, both of her parents are self-described atheists. She didn't grow up going to church. You know, she had this vision, and she painted this painting. Now that's interesting in and of itself. But what kind of how I came across this painting was actually through a different story. A boy named Colton uh, Burpo. Thank you, <laughs> Colton Burpo. His father was a pastor in the Midwest. And Colton is. Many of you know the story or that, that movie Heaven Is For Real. Colton is the little boy who died and went to heaven, and saw Jesus. And there's this part, and actually Tracy read the book, and she says, and in the movie you see it too, where where the dad, um, Todd, right? I think his name is Todd. He would say, you know, son, you know, is this him? And the would say, no, that's not him. It's not quite like. It doesn't look like that. Or, <clears throat> and they played this game where they keep showing him pictures after picture. And then finally one day he comes across this picture and he said, Dad, that's him. That's him. And I think how amazing it is that it's children, the children who are teaching us, an eight-year-old girl who paints his painting and a little boy who's gone to heaven and comes back and says, Dad, that's him. We need to keep coming back to who Jesus is. When we understand who Jesus is, that begins to shape who we are as people. So there's lots of different versions, but we need to keep coming back to Jesus. So this morning, we're going to hear the word of God. We're going to be reading from John's gospel. And we're going to be reading from the part where John the Baptist, I know it's a bit confusing, but John the Baptist, not John the Evangelist, but John the Baptist, who writes and speaks and talks about who Jesus, he testifies. So if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 29 to 34, or also, if you'd like to just look on this white sheet in your bulletin, it's here as well. So this comes from John's gospel, says the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. So we have this text, and the first thing, there's tons here. I mean, we could go through it sentence by sentence. We won't this morning, but we could, and you could just hear God, the echoes of truth coming through. But there's one part, there's a few things that I wanted to focus on, and mainly what John describes, or how John describes Jesus. The first thing he says is that he is the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. Now, in, in Israel and in, in uh, Judaism, there's this rich imagery of, of lamb. I mean, there's the Passover lamb. There's the lambs that were sacrificed each day. But there's also this particular passage in Isaiah Isaiah is a prophet who lived about 800 years before Jesus. And he spoke prophetically about a servant of the Lord who would come. It comes from Isaiah 53. He says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Like a sheep is silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. In oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Who can speak of his descendants? He was cut off from the land of the living. For my people's transgressions, he was stricken. They gave him a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to crush him and to cause him to suffer. God is doing this amazing thing in Jesus It was the Lord's will to cause him to to suffer and and through his sacrifice, a guilt offering that would be for all the people, that Jesus would bear the sin of many. This comes out of Isaiah 53. I think John is alluding back to this lamb, this image of a lamb, of a servant of God who would come, who would lay down his life for the sake of God's people. But actually, there's an interesting point here. John says that he's the Lamb, of the, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the entire cosmos, the entire world. It's as if the doors have been thrown open and all the world has been included in the saving grace, the sacrifice of this Lamb. So, Jesus, so John calls him this Lamb of God, and it's, it's interesting to kind of wonder at what John might have meant, but I think he was getting at this in Isaiah 53, this servant of God. But John doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says that he will be empowered with the Holy Spirit. That this Messiah would come and he'd have God's Holy Spirit on him. And John testifies, he says, that I saw when when he was baptized, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove and remain on him. In the ancient English, they'd say abide on him or live or dwell on him. Now, there's lots of of Old Testament references to the the Holy Spirit coming and remaining on God's chosen one. But Jesus talked about this when he was in Nazareth. When he went to his hometown, to the synagogue, and they gave him the scroll of Isaiah to read, he opens the scroll to Isaiah 61. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's the ancient way of saying, I am this guy. Jesus is the Messiah. And when the spirit came on him, people began to realize. And John, I think, is realizing here that this is what they've been waiting for. Not only does the spirit rest on the Messiah, but also the king from the house of David, signaling to us that not only has God's great savior come, but he's brought the reign of God with him. The kingdom of God has come with him. So Jesus is this lamb of God, but he's also been empowered by God's Holy Spirit. But John doesn't stop there. He says, I have seen and I testify that he is the son of God which is interesting because we live in a time where people have lots of different opinions about Jesus. I mean, if you ask a Muslim, often they will say he was a a prophet. Maybe they'll say that. Or if you ask people kind of more new age, they will say he was a great teacher, a wise teacher who taught us how to to be kind to one another, but not really God. Or you'll talk with someone else, uh, Uh, I have friends who are Mormon or, or Jehovah's Witness, and they'll say, you know, he was a great man, and God saved us through him, but he wasn't actually God. I've got to tell you, if Jesus is not God, then we are still dead in our sin because it takes God to do what Jesus did, to save us. So we hear this John saying, I testify that Jesus is the Son of God, fully God. Fully human, but also fully God. See, in the church in the early years, in the third and fourth century, there was, a, there was the church kind of split into two groups. There were those who said Jesus was God and human, and there was another part who said Jesus couldn't be both. He must be one or the other. And they chose thinking that Jesus, Jesus was probably more human, that he wasn't actually God. And the church had debates and debates, and then we hear that finally these creeds came out the pastors or the bishops would get together and they'd say, we have to talk about this. And so they made these creeds, and creed actually means this is what I believe or I believe this. And we say it every uh, time we have communion, we say, I believe in the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Well, they created a couple different creeds each time to kind of deal with with certain heresies that were cropping up. And they made this this creed or the addition that came at Nicene. And at Constantinople in 381, sorry, this is getting a little bit detailed, but it goes like this. It says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth and everything invisible and visible. And I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, who is begotten from the Father, God from God, light from light, truly God from truly God, begotten and not made of one substance with the Father trying to make it perfectly clear, crystal clear, that Jesus is God. We have God the Father, and Jesus is God the Son, who has come with God the Spirit. It's important for us to keep remembering that, because we live in a time where people are happy to say that Jesus was a good man, but not God. That Jesus was a really interesting, wise teacher, but not really God. You see, the thing is, when we say that Jesus isn't God, then that gives us some room to not have to follow him. Because if we say that Jesus is God, that changes everything for us. Because then we have to follow him. Or it would be crazy not to. (laughs) John comes testifying that Jesus is the Lamb of God. That Jesus is the one whom the Spirit dwelt on. That Jesus is the one who is the Son of God. You with me? See, the thing is, I know most of you agree with this. So what we've been reading and, and talking about as a church, uh, as a church for thousands of years, but us as a group uh, for a long time. The real question comes is what do we do with this? How do we work this out in our lives, right? How does the reality that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that Jesus is empowered by the Spirit, that Jesus is the Son of God, how do these things work out in our life? Well, there's lots of ways, and I know you're creative. But I want to offer at least three. The first thing I want to say is that um, the first thing we can do is we can rejoice. We can rejoice because we've been reconciled to God the Father. Through Jesus' life, through his death, through his resurrection, Jesus' death on the cross, we have been reconciled. You see, before that, our sin ours, mine particularly, but also ours as humanity, separated us from God because God is holy and just. And he can't just sort of turn a blind eye and act like it didn't happen. That's not justice. God is holy, and he needed some way to reconcile us to him. All the things that we've done, the times when when our greed gets the best of us, when our anger explodes, when we're selfish, or those things that we've done in our life, the things we look back and we wish we could change, the things we regret, the things we don't even like to talk about or think about. God had to do something about those. And through Jesus they are forgiven. When we're honest about what has happened in our lives, the things we are that we have done, this is good news for us. I know we live in a time where people want to say, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm a good person. We want to deny that we've done anything wrong, but the scriptures say that even the best person is in no way capable of of being righteous before God, that we need Jesus. And because of him, we are forgiven. We have been forgiven. We've been given a new life in him. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and he said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we who are filled with sin might be the righteousness of God. Jesus reconciled us to our Father in heaven, gave us this new life, this hope, gave us life more full and showed us how to live as members of his kingdom. So we begin by rejoicing, rejoicing because we've been reconciled because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So rejoice. The other thing I'd suggest, if I can, is that we also remember Remember that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. John talks about it, that Jesus was, the Holy Spirit remained on him, but he said a few times that this one comes, I baptize with water, me speaking for John here, I baptize with water, but Jesus, this one who comes after me, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptized us and has filled us with the Holy Spirit. So not only has he forgiven us and removed our sinfulness, but he's filled us with God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit that that signals to us that we are in the new covenant, that the new age has begun, that the year of the Lord's favor has begun with Jesus. And we receive this Holy Spirit who guides our lives if we will listen. This Holy Spirit who reveals to us more and more who Jesus is. This Holy Spirit who comforts us when things are difficult, when our heart is broken. And this Holy Spirit who convicts us when we are proud and we need correcting we can remember that God has filled us with his Holy Spirit. The last thing I would suggest is that we be reassured. Is that we rest assured. Because Jesus is the Son of God. If he were just another man, even a great man, then the whole thing would be a sham. But because he is the Son of God, that changes everything. That means that everything is true. That he is the Lamb of God. That he is the one on whom the Spirit dwells. That he is the Messiah whom God has sent. That he is the Savior who has made us right with God. It's all true because Jesus is the Son of God. Now I know that we've heard these things before. But it's good for us to hear them again. To focus our lives back on Jesus. To keep hearing this word. To have this shape who we are. That we remain fruitful soil not rocky and hard, but we remain uh, moldable, that God can use us and work in us and show us again and again that deeper and deeper depths of who Jesus is, that it shapes who we are. Now, I'm hopeful that some of you are already asking, okay, so Jason, thank you for the suggestions. Um, How do I begin working this out? Where do I start this week, right? Well, this week, I want you to do two things. Two things. I want you to begin by praising God. Praise God, whatever that looks like for you. If that means serving someone because that brings you joy, if that means just kneeling and praying and giving God thanks, if that means dancing or singing or having a big meal with lots of friends over to celebrate, find some way to praise God this week. Praise God for what he's done. Praise God that Jesus is the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the cosmos. Praise God that Jesus is the one whom the Spirit dwelt on and has filled us with his Holy Spirit. Praise God that Jesus is the Son of God and that all of this is true and we are a new people because of it. Praise God for this. The second thing I want you to do is pray. Pray for our community, for the people in our community who don't realize this yet, for the people in our community who are living lives that are broken, who are alone, who've been abused, who are addicted, pray for them that they would realize this amazing news. That regardless of all the different ideas that they've heard about Jesus, that they would hear the truth about him. That he is the Messiah. That he is our Lord. That he is the Son of God. And as you pray about this, I can't wait to hear this week about how the Holy Spirit will work through you. What you'll see God doing in the people's lives he'll begin to change. Amen.